0: Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. The title is called, We Got a Problem. And how many of you know that when you look out in society today, we got, not we have a problem, that's too proper. We got a problem. Genesis 6 kind of exposes that, I believe that in today's society, we're in that same place, um, maybe not as bad yet, I believe that, and this is the cool thing, is God always has a remnant, you know, when, and I think that's something that we need to be hopeful for, that no matter how bad the world gets, God always has a remnant. The goal is, is for you to be that remnant, to, for you to be a part of that remnant, but God has a remnant, no matter if it gets down to the last, God's got a remnant. And this is what we're going to read about today is we're going to read about a man and a family who is a remnant to redeem and to save the world and to to, uh, repopulate the world. All right, Genesis chapter six, we're going to start in chapter six, verse eight, and we're going to read quite a bit of scriptures because I've heard this week through the grapevine y'all didn't read your Bible enough. So I'm going to read a bunch of scripture this this morning. I'm kidding. Jeez, chill out. Get all offended already and not even started. All right, so verse 8, we're going to read through 22. We're going to read this whole synopsis of the story so we can kind of get some context. It says, but Noah found favor with the Lord. All right? And then it goes on. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt. And was filled with violence. God observed all of this corruption in the world. For everyone on the earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures. For they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long. 75 feet wide and 45 feet tall. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof along the side around the boat. Put Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper, and call it the carnival cruise. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living. Did that come out? Destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and, your wa- and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground, not sure why skunks made it, but we'll move on, will come to you to be kept alive and be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals." Verse 22 is what will get you. So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for a man who listened to your word. I thank you for a man who was obedient. God, that we, God, are the representation of, we are the results of a man who is willing to live close to you. God, we thank Noah, for his, his place and time and his willingness to be a remnant when he didn't know he was. And God, I thank you that there are remnants in this room today, God, and they might not realize they are, but God, I pray that by the Spirit you would convince them and convict them of, a, of it, Lord. And God, I thank you that as that happens, God, that you would allow us to be made, we would be able to make you more famous today than you were yesterday. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. You know, we see that in Noah's day, it says that the world was corrupt. And I think that when we read this text, um, we don't fully understand, because really, as bad as it is, imagine that if you were to go to a grocery store, if you were to go to the gas station, if you were to go to a park, that whoever you ran into contact with were evil, were violent. Like, you didn't find a nice person. It was like living in the north. I'm kidding. I'm just making sure everybody. Some of y'all, I'm so leaving this church. You've offended me three times, and I haven't even gotten into the opener. No, right? Like, like it was bad. And 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 it's it's the water, the current of violence and evil is flowing so strongly that for for Noah, it's much like if you've ever seen salmon. Like when it's time for them to 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 lay their eggs, they swim upstream. And they have, like, these three-foot waterfalls, and they swim upstream, and they jump them. Like, I mean, there is so much resistance for a salmon to be able to get. They should charge more for them. I mean, as much as they have to do to, to, to be able to reproduce, it's incredible. But they, and then they get to these waterfalls, and what's standing on the waterfalls? Grizzly bears, waiting for them to get out there and be fatigued and snatch them in the air. Right? And consume them. What I'm getting at is to go against the world. It doesn't matter. There's always going to be obstacles, whether it is the current, whether it is the waterfall, whether it is the bear. The point being is is that to get to the other side of the, of the, of the, the water, they have to get there to get to their mission, to get to the ability to reproduce. And their ability to reproduce is contingent on their willingness to swim upstream. And here is Noah. Noah is the salmon here that we're talking about, that he is going against all of the resistance of the world. He is going against what is popular. He is going against what is, what is the pressure of the world, the culture. And I think that much like today, as the height, as the waters are beginning to turn and beginning more, they're, they're getting more strong. They're getting, the currents are raging. Like, like the world is getting, is getting really heavy with one direction. And I believe that God is, is putting on us that we have to become a Noah generation. That we have to become people who are willing to do what is not popular, to do what is not what everybody else agrees and likes to hear. Like there's some things that I'm going to get into in the coming months that it's, it's going to either hurt you or help you. Okay? But I believe that we have to get to the place where we have, where we have the Noah mindset, the, that God saw a problem and he had a man that could help fix the problem. That here's the deal. is that you are called to be a problem solver. God is, God's got a problem, and you're his man or woman to be a problem solver. God is seeing these things that are, that are going on, and he says, Noah is the man. I can, I can, I can call on him. Right? In verse 8, It starts off, Noah found favor with the Lord. How many of y'all know that favor isn't whether you get a 50% discount or whether you get the best parking spot or whether you don't have to wait when you go to the restaurant? Favor is sometimes being called out to build a boat when no one else is willing to do it. Favor is sometimes having to do things that God is asking you to do because no one else is willing to do it. It says he found favor with the Lord and sometimes favor isn't going to make you popular. Right? Like, we want, we want to be popular, we want to be liked, but you want to be a believer. You can't be both. And I think that's what we're coming into this water where you can't be popular and you can't be famous. You can't be all of these things and still serve Jesus at the level you're called to. So in this, we see this in verse 9. It says, and he was, he was the only blameless person. That means his wife wasn't. It means his kids weren't. He says he was the only blameless person. There's something about about how you have this ability to help your family be rewarded by the way that you choose to live your life. Noah's Noah's wife and his kids are safe because of how he chooses to live his life, right? So it says that he's blameless. And then it checks this out. It says that he walked in close fellowship with God. That means that he walked wherever God walked Jason, would you help me with this illustration? We're just impromptu. You walk, and wherever, wherever God is walking, Noah is walking. Whatever Jason does, Noah's doing. It may not make sense to Noah, but whatever God is doing, Noah's doing it. It may not make sense to Noah, but Noah's not arguing with God and saying, God, why are you doing that? It says that he walked in close fellowship with God. In other words, he was so close to God That whatever Noah, whatever God did, Noah did. He knew what God was doing because he was close to him. I didn't tell you something. I'm kidding. You're done. You're a good job. Right? Like, he was in such close proximity that whatever God did, Noah was aware. And here's the point. Here's point one. If y'all want three points for a great sermon, here it is. God works with who he walks with. If you want God to do something through you, it is going to have to start with you willing to walk with God, being willing to go into deep waters, going against the, the current of this world. You're going to have to be willing to go where God goes. And every one of us, we're willing to serve Jesus on Sunday, but when one Monday morning starts and you've got to do something that's counter Christ, are you willing to do it? Because it's only those who are close with God and walk with God will work with God. God is asking us, will we work with God? Would, here's the thing. It says that I've considered Noah. How many of us would be considered in this day and age? How many of us would say, God would say, that's my Noah of this generation. Those are the people I will consider. I want to be those people. I want to be, I want to be a church that when God looks at a church in today's society, he says, that church, I want that church. They are so sold out. They, they walk with me. They're in relationship with me. They're in fellowship with me. They don't just show up on Sunday. They show up throughout the week. They're in deep devotional with me. This is what we've got to, we've got to understand that this is the thing that God is wanting to raise up. He's wanting to raise up a Noah generation that says, I will go where you go, even if it's like having to, to be a salmon and go upstream and clear waters and having to go through the mouths of bears. This is what God is calling us as a generation to do. See, sometimes being with God, you do small things and they seem like they're nothing. I mean, sometimes it is just like, it's, you show up to church, you show up for your kids, you show up at a family event, you show up to work, you, you just, you brush your teeth, you brush your teeth, Lord. (laughs) Like sometimes you just do small things and we assume that small things don't have any meaning. And it's until you do those, I believe that Noah did so many small things that he said, I can give a big thing to him. And oftentimes, God will use these small things that we've done in our lives to often transform the future of our families. It was these small, subtle things that Noah was doing that everybody else would have said, I'm not doing that. That's just too ordinary. That's just too common. And sometimes, ordinary is the most spiritual thing you can do. Noah wasn't accounted for anything other than being blameless, and he walked with God. See, here's the thing we see in this story, right, with Noah, is that he walked with God. He was close with God. In verse 9, it says, he walked in close fellowship. Here's the reality is that whatever you're close with will be a major factor in your life with the opportunities that you walk out. The opportunities that you miss out on or you step into are directly correlated to what you walk close with. Right. That's why the Bible talks about having wise people around you, because the people that you hang around with begin to create a mindset. The people that you hang around with begin to to create a lot of things in your life. And those things create bad or good opportunities. The opportunities that you are going to live and thrive in are going to be directly correlated to what you're close with. Right. You don't get to you don't get to have God opportunities, but not be close to him. The things that God is calling us to are too valuable for him to say, oh yeah, go ahead and you do it. No, that's why he chose Noah because Noah walked close with God. See, what was ordinary to Noah wasn't common in the earth. What was ordinary for him to show up every morning and get his cup of coffee out of his espresso machine and to get with the Lord every morning, that was ordinary for him. That was something that he did consistently, but in culture that wasn't common. And sometimes you guys have discounted something that you do ordinary with God. And you're like, I mean, all I do is show up with God. And I just show up with God. And I just show up with God. And God is understanding that. And God knows that you're showing up. And just because it's ordinary doesn't mean it's common. Just because it, you do it doesn't mean everybody else is doing it. When you show up and you don't feel like you're hearing God's voice, and you show up day after day, week after week, month after month, and you're like, God, I don't know if you're listening. But guess what you do? You keep being, you just keep showing up. Guess what you're doing? You're being counted as a Noah. That God is seeing the potential on the inside of you, and he's saying, look, I can do something with them. See, God recognizes. He noticed him, and he rewards those with integrity. He was blameless. In other words, he lived with integrity. I mean, right, we can't, I mean, you, you find people around you who have integrity, Right, you have you have people you'd be like, you would be in a conversation, be like, oh, that's not really that's not that's not integrity. You realize how much integrity is missing in the body of Christ, even. I believe we have to get to the place where, first of all, integrity is the byproduct of being close with God. That what we do, how we live, it is directly correlated with who Jesus is. The integrity comes from that. See, when you walk with God, you realize there's a greater purpose in your life than you ever realized. But oftentimes, we don't realize that until we begin to walk with God. What I'm saying is is that some of you all don't realize how great the purpose is on the inside of you because you haven't walked with God fully yet. It's like it's kind of hit and miss. It's like I'll show up to church or I'll read my Bible or I'll pray, but it's hit and miss. And until you get consistent in these things, you're not going to realize the greater purpose that God has for you. Because there is a greater purpose. That greater purpose, we don't know what it is. And right, I'm not doing it contingent on that greater purpose. I'm doing it because I want to be in fellowship with God. But I'm, I'm just letting you know that when you walk with God, you're going to realize your eyes are going to open up to something so much greater than what you thought. Many of you, you've discounted your life because you don't think your life has a purpose, and God is saying, if you will walk with me, I'm about to show you and expose to you what your potential is. Noah did not know what was in him until he was with God. In verse 14, he goes on and he explains all of this. He begins to show Noah, Noah, this is what you're going to do. You're going to build a large boat, okay? You're going to build it from cypress wood, and you're going to waterproof it with tar inside and out then the construction decks and stalls, and he goes through all of this stuff, right? He begins to unfold, and what is he doing? He's painting this vision for Noah to realize what he's, what God already sees. He's trying to allow Noah to begin to see what God already sees. And I believe that some of us, we do really stupid and really crazy things to try to get vision from God, Instead of just being with God, if you would just be with God, you will begin to get a vision for your life and for your future and the things that God wants to do with you just by being with him. And here's the second thing, that God's vision gives your life vision. If you want vision for your life, be with God. Because God's vision will give your life vision. This is what happened is Noah was with God, and because Noah was with God, it gave Noah's life vision. He didn't see himself building a boat. He didn't see himself rescuing his family this way. He didn't see himself doing the things that he was going to do. He didn't know he was going to build a carnival ship. Like he didn't know that that was in there. But God, because God saw it, Noah was now able to see it. And what I'm saying is this, friends, is that if you will begin to get with God, you will begin to see things in your life that you never thought were possible. I never thought I would do this. I never thought I would do that. I mean, my vision only enlarges as my connection with God increases. The more that I begin to spend time with God, the more that I begin to get this vision of whatever it is that God wants to do through my life. And this is the, this is the temptation of the world, is the world wants to give you a vision for your life. He wants you, they want you to become self-absorbed. They want you to build your own 401k. They want you to build the biggest house. They want you to have the most awesome vacations. It all, it's right. It's self-absorbed. They want a vision for you to, where all it is is you focus about you. You do you, boo. That's the world's motto. But that's total counter Christ. That's not, that is completely opposite. God calls Noah to build a boat, to do something, give out. We have to be people who are giving out. We were created to do this. See, This is the problem, is that God gave him a vision. He says, hey, Noah, you're my problem solver. We got a problem, but you're my problem solver. Every one of you were created to be a problem solver. If you're wondering, what's my purpose to be a problem solver? And whatever that is. Whatever it is, that's for you and God to discover, but you're a problem solver in something. It may be be completely for you, like, that's just, oh, that's just, I mean, that's not a really anything big. No, that's, it's not big to you because you were designed for it, right? Like for Apple, for, for an iPhone to have Apple music, it's not a big deal. It was made for it, right? Like there are certain things that it's not a big deal for you because it was designed in you. It's in your DNA. It's in your design. And so as God unfolds and he gives you a vision for you, begin to realize, oh, I'm a problem solver in this. And as you do that and you're obedient to that, it's like, okay. Noah probably never saw himself building a boat, but his ability to build a boat was already in him before he knew it was there. What I'm getting at is there are so many things on the inside of you that you don't know are there that if you were willing to trust God, you would realize, oh my gosh, this is already in me. I was built for this. That's why when believers start stepping into their purpose, they get fueled because it's already in you to do what you're called to do. But you're resisting it because you're questioning your ability. Because you don't think you're good enough. You don't think you're anointed enough. You don't think you're any, guess what? No one else in the Bible did either. Everybody in the Bible questioned their ability. Everybody in the Bible questioned. There was immediate fear response, right? We talked about that last week. Fear's going to come in, but what has to, vision has to override your fear. What God asks you to do, what God speaks to you, that has to override it. Here's the deal, is that vision is a result of God's voice gaining influence in your life. If you want vision, it's when the, the only way that you get vision is by allowing God to gain more influence in your life. If you don't have vision, guess what? The world has a lot of, probably has a lot of, of influence in your life. That's why you think, eat, sleep, and whatever you. Right? The Bible talks about it in 1 John 2. It says this, this is the, this is the three sins. Go to any commercial. Go to any movie. Go to any Anything, it's going, to, it's going to tempt you in these three areas. Go watch five commercials today, and you name them, which ones they are. Lust of the flesh, pride of life, pride of achievements. They will all be correlated to one of those three things, right? I mean, it's amazing how they can build a commercial that's not even about the commercial because if they can get you enticed on the lust of the flesh, you're glued. Lust of the eyes, you're glued. Pride of achievements, if I can get this, I'll be perceived as this. That always has the ability to influence you until you get vision. Until you get vision, know it and be like, well, how's this going to do for me? How's this going to, how's this going to, no, he his, the lust of these three things weren't affecting him because he was so ingrained on the vision of what God was giving him. And this is just another thing, sidetrack. Some of y'all are so, you, you're so engrossed in everybody else's life. I want you to know that you have a, God has a vision for your life. And if you would begin to do it, people would begin to desire what you're doing. No one wanted Noah's life. No one was, No, it wasn't enticing until it started raining. It's like, this joker's out building a boat. It's out dry land. Like, there's not water for 200 miles. I mean, what is this dude doing? It doesn't matter. He's being obedient to God. You know, there's a lot of stats. that like, You can't find it. We don't know how long he built the boat. They say from 5 to 70 years, 100 years he built this boat. But here's another thing that one of the theologians were talking about is that they say that he built it. It took around 50 to 60 years is what they're saying. But it was a hundred year span before God really told him, before the actual, he got in the boat. Imagine building the size of a boat in your backyard. And it's just sitting out there. I mean, we got hoarders these days, right? But imagine a 450 foot long boat in your backyard. What's that? Uh, it's just a thing I've been working on. Dude, that's seven semis long, a semi-wide, and a half semi-tall. You're just doing something, huh? Right? Imagine that. But imagine you for your own life right now. God is asking you to do something. He's asking you right now. He's giving you a vision for your life, okay? Whatever that may be, to be this kind of a parent, to be this kind of an employee, to be this kind of, to to have to take a risk for this. And God is asking you to do something. He's asking you to live counterculture, And you build this boat, and it sits in your backyard for 50 years before it's ever used. Because that's what's possibly happening to Noah. And every day he goes out, and he sees that boat. He's like, stupid Noah, what are you doing? He begins to question, why I did this. Or maybe he's fueled every time he goes out, and he's like, man, God, you're going to do something crazy. And none of it matters until the first drop of rain hits, until the water starts coming up out of the ground. And like, what is this? What well, this is weird. And he says, okay, no, the boat, the no, the doors open, it's time. The first giraffe shows up, then a hippo. It's like, oh, this is getting serious. See, sometimes our the vision for our lives don't matter until the first animal shows up. Until the first thing shows up it's like, okay, yeah, this is legit. Okay, we're game on. Right? But see, the vision that God wants to give you is correlated and directly connected with him. See, I believe that people with no vision become influenced the most by the culture. I believe that if we've lost vision, we have become seduced by the culture. People with vision, I'm not talking about vision to build some brand in the sense of like just doing something for yourself. I'm talking about vision by God. That that those that are heavily influenced by the culture are lacking vision. You don't know why I'm gonna be, like what am I supposed to do? I mean, as a father, what am I supposed to do as a mom? What am I supposed to do as a parent? What am I supposed to do as a grandparent? No, when you are with God, you'll have a vision for it. I mean, Alicia and I, we do a vision retreat. We've been married almost 14 years and we still have a vision retreat every year. Because guess what? If we have a vision, it gives us a purpose to what we do. So this year, this is one of our best years we've had on our, mission, on our marriage vision retreat. I mean, we sat down, we wrote a mission statement about what is our scripture theme we're going to build our entire marriage around, our family around. These are things that we're going to be more intentional on with our children. These are things that we're going to do. We're going to be this kind of a generous person as, as, a perp, as people. We're going to do these types of things. And guess what? That is fueled every day that we do something. It's governed by that. Right? It's added, It's fueled the marriage. That the marriage isn't like, oh, we just said I do, and I'll let you know if I don't love you anymore. No, it's fueled by vision, and that vision moves us. There are days where it's like, oh yeah, it's just mundane, it's ordinary, but that doesn't make it not extraordinary. It doesn't mean it's not meaningful. Right? And see, what we have to do is when we have a vision for our lives, it doesn't matter what the culture is saying. It doesn't matter what culture is saying about marriage. While it may be being attacked and assaulted right now, guess what we're gonna do? We have a vision. And guess what we're gonna do? And when it gets to where it's upstream, We're going to lock arms, and we're going to do our marriage. Maybe not like anybody else is willing to do it, but we have a vision for our marriage, and that vision fuels our movement. And I believe that we all need vision for our lives because vision drives movement. What moved Noah was vision. What moved Noah to do something crazy, radical, big, and strange was vision. And I believe that there is vision filled in this room if you will connect with God. And see what He's capable of doing through your life. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 through 39, it says this. This is Jesus talking in red, church. I don't know if there's any scriptures that we should listen to at all. If it is any, this would be some of them. Okay, you can you can you can say, well, Adam and Eve was just a, was just a you know some just just an, an, allergy, an analogy or whatever. You can say that what you want. As as culture's changing, it's like Adam and Eve was just an analogy. It was just a story. This is red, my friends. And it says this, when the Son of Man returns. How many of y'all know Jesus is coming back? It says when Jesus, so he's talking about himself. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the Noah's day. Okay? Noah's day was pretty bad. There was not one righteous person but Noah. Noah. So this is Jesus explaining what the end times are going to look like. And if you think that you can be culturally relevant and still have a vision or have a purpose for your life, you're 100% wrong. This is why culture is super dangerous. We want to champion and cheer people like, out of love. No. Go back to the Bible and let, let, let the Bible lead and guide your life. Culture's going to miss it every time, Church. And this is what it says. It says they are going, it says, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat. When you think about all of those things, what did it? It's all about consumption. It's all about entertainment. It's all about what can you give me? The, these people were infatuated with what you could do for me, what I can get from this experience, from this thing. Can I get this? Can I obtain It's all about getting, consuming, right? They're so focused on what they're doing that they've lost sight of what God is asking them to do. This is the power of culture. This is the power of what happens when we allow these things to infuse into our hearts and in our lives. It says this, but 39, people didn't realize what was going to happen, I mean, everybody's making fun of Noah. Everybody's walking by Noah's yard and being like, dude, seriously? Like, he got ridiculed. He got mocked. He got, he got looked at as a weirdo. But see, sometimes when you have a vision for your life and you know that this is what God has, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about your life. It was Noah's vision from God that drove him. And while that boat may have sat out there for 50 years or 10 years or 2 days, I don't know. The reality is is that he did what God asked him to do. And he says people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away. That is the way it will be when the Lord, the Son of Man comes back. It's a very sobering scripture. Because what that does is that tells me that I could easily become the one who's standing outside of the boat instead of in the boat if I let culture persuade me. That I could be the one looking up saying, oh man, I should have gotten in the boat. Oh man, I should have built my own boat. Oh man, I should have listened. That vision seemed weird and strange, but now it makes, makes sense. Sometimes vision doesn't make sense until you need it. Until you're using it. See, what is he saying? He's saying, look, they've lost their eternal mindset. They've lost their eternal perspective. Guys, everything that we do, everything, I can't say this is is in like, I'm not trying to brag or trying to be boastful, but everything that I do, I govern around eternal things. It's not because I'm a preacher. It's because I read the Bible. And I look at the culture and I've been, I was having, I was hanging out with friends yesterday and looking at things and I'm like, we had this conversation. I'm like, look, guys, the alarms are going off. Like everything is going off and we can walk by it and ignore it and say, well, it is what it is. This is how culture is today. Or we can say, okay, wow, the waters are starting. The floodgates are opening. We have to be really, really serious about the vision that we have for our lives because this thing is getting serious. And there's going to be a day where you need your boat. And if you aren't willing to build it and be purposeful with the vision and the things that God is calling you to do, you're going to be swept away. If you want to continue to live your life and say, well, this is just not, this is, God will be giving me grace. No, God only gives grace to his word. If God has asked you to do something, he gives grace to that. Not outside. You don't get to make up your own scriptures for how you're living your life. Right? It too heavy? Father's Day? We're good? All right. See, there, there are certain things that are hidden in you that will remain hidden until you get with God. There were things that were in Noah, and in that in him being with God, those things got pulled out of him. And he realized, oh wow, there's a boatmaker in there. There's this man who's willing to do what I didn't know I could do. I just want to tell you that there's a boatmaker in you. In whatever area, whatever, whatever sphere it is inside of you, there's a boatmaker. There's a man or a woman who can build with whatever it is that God's given them, and it's hidden in you, and it's time to be with God so that it can come out of you. See, vision will allow you to build with God and for God. This is vision, when you don't have vision, you're just building random things. Have you ever seen driven by some people's things in their yard and you're like, what in the world? How does that shed have one wall and like the ceiling? Like, right? You're just like, oh, I just grabbed this material and just started building. That's called not having vision, right? You've seen some of these people, the architect and some of these amazing things, it's like that person had vision. You can see the difference real quickly with a person who has vision and who doesn't, right? Like that's the power. God is wanting to give us vision, but it's directly correlated with us being with him. We eliminate ourselves oftentimes, right, in the plans, the things that God has for us. I mean, easily, Noah could have easily tried to talk himself out of it. We, try, we do, we eliminate ourselves from the plans and the purposes due to our ordinary lives. No, it was just an ordinary man, right? But we oftentimes eliminate ourselves from just being ordinary. I'm just, a, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a guy that shows up to work every week. I'm just a dad. I'm just a whatever. And we so easily eliminate ourselves from the plan of God because we're ordinary. Only Hollywood people can do that. Only these types of people. Only celebrities. Only these. It's like, no, God can do more through Then you realize, because you're ordinary, because ordinary isn't common. Ordinary is consistent. Noah was consistent. Every day he showed up when he didn't feel like it, when he didn't want to, he showed up. So you're going to have to let go of some things. Whether it is your perception, your fears, your insecurities, your inabilities, you're going to have to let go of some of those things. Some of y'all are going to have to let go of the world and the things that are going on in your life, some of your desires and lust of the flesh, pride of life, achievements. Some of y'all are going to have to let go of some of that stuff to really be able to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. But here's the deal is if you're willing to, you'll be amazed at what God can do through your life. I move back to verse 22 where I ended the scripture and it says this. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded. When I read that, I was just like, you know, while we may try to skip details in our lives and be like, I mean, God, do you really care about that? I mean, God told Noah this is how I want, you, I want you to use cypress wood. This is what I want you to use. I don't want you to use oak. I want you to use cypress. There's a reason why I want you to use cypress. I want you to use tar on the inside and the outside, not just the inside. I want you to put a door on this level. I want you to have it this many levels. I want you to have an 18-inch gap around the entire top, and we can do this. This is what a lot of times we do with our lives. Well, God, I'm going to do one story. I'm only going to do the, I'm only gonna do, I'll, I'll use the cypress wood, but I'm only tarring tar it on the outside. Like, who needs tar on the inside? God, I'm going to be there. I might touch my hairy arm up to it, and it'll rip it off. Like, you know what I mean? We use all of these different excuses. Well, God, I'm going to put the door on the back or the front instead of the side. Well, God, I don't really need an 18-inch, you know, 18-inch gap. We're only a few people. We don't need that much air. We'll do six inches. Well, what I'm saying is this is what we do, is that God has a vision for your life, and you try to cut out what you don't like about your vision. You try to add to what God is asking you to. And God is saying, I want you to build it like this. I want you to build it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall. This is what I want it to be. I want it to be three levels. I want the door here. I want an 18-inch top. I want it done with this wood. And I want it pitch, I want the pitch of the tar on the inside and the outside. I want it done the way that I'm asking you, and I'll give you all the resources. Notice Noah didn't be like, well, God, I mean, I really want to do this for you, but I can't find any wood. I mean, God, you said a tar. I can't find any tar. Notice that Noah, anything that Noah was asked to do and the vision that he was given, he was given the resources to do it. Anything that God is going to ask you to do, you may not see it. You may not think it's going to be there, but the moment that you say yes, all of a sudden, wood shows up. It's like Bruce Almighty, you know, they start dropping off lumber. Sacrilegious, but I get it, you know. And that, that's what happens is God all of a sudden starts revealing, okay, I already, I already all you had to do was say yes to the vision. I'll, sh- I'll show you the stuff. What I'm getting at is some of you have discounted your lives saying, God, I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. God is wait, saying, wait, no, you're a Noah generation. I have already got the stuff waiting for you. If you're willing to step out and do it and go against the flow of the world, wa- the world's water and the currents, then I'm going to show you what I can do through you. See, we want friends, we want relationships, we want to be entertained, and so what we do is we subtly get in the water and we start go, Well, it is a lot easier to go this way with the water. I mean, anytime I stand in my creek, right, the water's flowing this way and it's resistance for me to stand, even in a low flowing creek. It's a lot easier to walk with the current, to do it, you know, what's easy. But when I choose to go upstream, I have to brace myself and I have to be really intentional with where I step. Because when I take a foot loose, right, all of a sudden I lose my balance. And I have to stay focused. See, when when you're moving upstream, you've got to focus on where you're going. Jesus, okay, I see you. I'm moving in that direction. Okay, God, I didn't know I was going to have to do this, but I'm willing to move that direction. Guess how you get there? One step at a time. By willing to take the risk, by willing to do it, I don't understand it. Noah didn't need to understand it, he just needed to do what God asked him to do. And here's the third and final point since you're taking such good notes. Details matter when it comes to God's plan and your purpose. Look, the details of your life, they matter. Whatever God is asking and wanting to do in your life, details matter. Everything that God is asking you to do, I preached to the to the to the youth kids on, on Wednesday. It says this in Jeremiah, right? We know the scripture, for I have the I know the plans that I have for you. My question for you would be the same I asked them is are you is it God's plan or your plan? Because God knows the plans for your life. But many of us have made our own plans and we've X'd out some of God's plans and we're wondering why we're not where we're at. It's because you've made your plans primary and his secondary. Y'all should have been there. It was fire. But here's the deal. Noah didn't build what was easy. Noah built what was necessary. God isn't asking you to build it easy Or hard. He's asking you to build it because it's necessary. Whatever God is doing in your life, he's doing it because it's necessary. It's needed. You're in Noah's generation, and there are things that God's going to ask you that you don't understand, and it may sit on the shelf for six years, but God is asking you, will you build the boat? Will you do what I'm asking you to do when it doesn't look like it, when it doesn't seem like it's going to make any impact, when I don't understand it? Will you go get the wood and cut it down and build the boat and begin to do what I've asked you to do? Will you train up your kids this way? Will you, will you parent this way? Will you mend those kinds of relationships? Will you seek out that kind of career? Will you do these types of things? Will you, will you be willing to go? You know, everybody loves Martin Luther King Jr. and Mother Teresa's. But you know why everybody loves them? Because they were willing to do what God asked them to do. They were willing to build boats when it wasn't easy. And what I'm saying is, is that there are many of you in here this morning that have the, ca- the capacity to do things like Noah did. But you've, been, you've got to be willing to take a risk. You can stand as I close this morning. What God is asking from you as an individual can't afford shortcuts. So many of us, we want our purpose, but we don't want to go through what it takes to get there. Right, I mean, even in the natural, it's like, I mean, if you want to go to Florida, you got to do certain things to get there. You got to go through certain cities and certain, certain places. You either got to go through an airport, you got to go through certain things to get there. So many times we want a shortcut. We want to be like, mm, Florida, we're just there. We just want to, we want to hum our ways into our purpose and into the vision that God has for us. And it's not like that. And here's the thing I just sense that this is, do not grow weary. Do not grow weary while doing, I believe that Noah prophesied that over himself every day. Do not grow weary. Do not grow weary while doing what you've asked me to do. There's a vision that God has for your life. And he's wanting to unveil it. He's wanting to unfold it. He's wanting to reveal it to you. It's not about being easy. It's about being necessary. And I want you to know every one of you are necessary. Every one of you are called. Every one of you are purposed. Every one of you have something to offer. God. I just want to pray this morning as we close that. That God would give you the courage. The willingness to say, you know what, God? God. I don't see how you can do that through me. But I'm willing to trust you, God. What's holding you back right now? Just for a moment, think about it. What's holding you back from building your boat? Is it vision? Is it resources? Is it people, things, stuff? What is it? See, Noah had to become very focused. He couldn't be distracted. He had to be intentional. So God, I pray, God, that in this moment, that there would be a desire, God, to live our lives as Noah. And God, that you would be able to To find men and women who walk close with you, who are marked by your presence, who are men and women who have a vision because you've given them a vision. God, while there may be problems, I thank you that there are problem solvers filling the seats this morning. Young and old, there are problem solvers. So Father, I lift up every single life in here this morning, God, and I thank you, God, that you would convict our hearts, God, in the best way possible, God, that we would be so convinced of the vision that you have for our lives, that God, we would be convicted to do it. That nothing else could stop us, nothing else could derail us, nothing else could distract us, God, that we become so focused on the God design and vision that you have for our lives, that we're willing to walk it out. God, help people become so focused with vision. God, that the waters become clear. God, give them the strength to go upstream. This morning, maybe you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You've heard about people talking about it. But this morning, you realize I need Jesus in my life, I need Him to give me vision and purpose to save me from my sins. Or maybe you've prayed the prayer and years ago you've walked away from God. You prayed it because it was emotional. You prayed it because you believed it and then you got caught up in things and this morning you're saying, I gotta return back to my heart, to my first love, that's Jesus. I need to give my heart back to him. I need to recommit and rededicate my life to him. If that's you in either one of those this morning, you say, I'm giving my life back to Jesus For the first time, I'm giving my life to Jesus for the first time, or I'm recommitting my heart to him right now in this moment. If that's you, either one of those, if you will just slip your hand up real quick. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else this morning You say that's me. I'm giving my heart to Jesus for the first time, or I'm recommitting my heart. If you would pray this prayer with me this morning, say, dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. But I believe you, Jesus, died on the cross for those sins. That you rose again on the third day to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you, Jesus, reveal the destiny and the purpose you have for my life. Give me fresh vision. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give them a hand this morning? Amen. God loves you. And I believe that God is truly awakening your heart for something significant. We love you guys.